Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to celebrate. If you are new with us, maybe this is your first week, maybe it's your fifth week, but if you have never stopped back at our welcome table, we would love for you to do that before you leave this morning. Um, you can come just introduce yourself, get any questions answered, and we have a gift we want to send home with you today. Um, this is graduation weekend for a lot of communities. It's graduation day for Knoxville. Do we have any graduates here this morning at this service? If you are graduating, would you stand for us? I'm not seeing any. All right, well, we would have congratulated them if they were here this morning. But instead, I'm just going to invite you to be praying over all of our graduates. Um, it's an exciting time for them. It's a scary time. So if we as a church could just be covering them in prayer, um, that God would just be near to them and walking through this time with them, I know that would be uh, wonderful for them. And pray for, the, pray for the moms and dads who this may be a tough, tough time for them as well, letting go. So, yeah, let's just be praying for our graduates. Um, you're probably already aware, but we have shifted our mask policy from this Sunday forward um, for the next, we don't know how long, we are going to do masks optional at both 9 and 1030 services. So if you prefer wearing a mask, we encourage you to do that, but it is no longer required. And then my last announcement is that today is the last day for uh, Celebrate Kids upstairs. We are going to give our teachers a well-deserved break this summer, and we will be... Um, ramping up again this fall to launch in September. Um, but we will continue to offer nursery. So if you have a little one, we will have that available both at the 9 and 1030 services. And uh, if you feel led at all to help us out in nursery, that would be awesome. If you can just give one Sunday the entire summer, that would help us out a ton. So you can talk with Miss Lauren, and she would love to plug you in. Well, would you stand? We are going to transition to worship, and I, I will just pray as we enter in this morning. So, Father God, uh, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can be here uh, in your house this morning to worship you. God, and I thank you that your word says that where two or more are gathered, you are present. So, we welcome you here this morning, Father. We want you to be lifted high. We want you to get all the honor and glory and praise this morning. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn our attention to you, Father. When we were lost ones, you were the shepherd that carried us home. When we were prodigals, you ran to meet us with open arms. i 
together. Give him glory this morning. Worthy. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are Today, the 
so that whatever is, is holding us back or whatever it would distract us from you, pray that it would just fall away as we receive your invitation. And we say yes to you this morning. Whatever you say goes. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read the passage for this morning. If you have your Bible with you, you can open up to, uh, we are in Acts chapter 10, starting with verse 23. It will also be up on the screen. You can follow along. Then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witness whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. All right, it is Pentecost Sunday, and so in the church, uh, we celebrate certain events of Jesus' life. There are really five ones that that turn into, some of them turn into holidays, or we have our holidays are are wrapped around them. Um, I would say if you were going to include the whole package, you wouldn't have just these events, you would 
celebrate that Jesus fulfilled the law, his life, his ministry, what he did while he was walking the earth, and that he's coming back again. So I'd say there's seven, but there's five sort of dates, five sort of, hey, we're celebrating that this happened in a certain place at this time. So the first would be, the the big fancy word for it is incarnation. It would be that God became a human being, that God came as a man, that that happened. And so we celebrate that at Christmas. We talk about the story of Mary Joseph, Jesus being born. But it's not just about a baby coming. It's about God becoming a human being and what that means for the human race. So that's one celebration. And then there's the crucifixion. There's that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, that he took what we deserved, which was death, so that we have access to what he deserves, which is life forever and glory. So that is... The, the second one, we celebrate that on Good Friday. We observe, we remember all that that means. And then a couple days later, we remember resurrection. We remember that Jesus didn't just stay dead. He actually rose from the dead. And he wasn't just resuscitated. He got a glorified body. And so that is Easter, uh, what we call it. But it's really resurrection day. It's when Jesus rose from the dead. And that is uh, what's, what's uh, available to all of us. And then the next two, we don't typically do much with in the church. Some people may be in church a long time and not even really, barely even know that they are things, and that is ascension. So Jesus was at the Mount of Olives in Bethany, and he's talking to his believers. He's in his his body. He's a human being, but he starts moving up into the air, and then he is taken from their sight. And so Jesus is in the heavenly realms. It says he's with, uh, at the right hand of, of the throne of God, and he's in a body, though. You know, he's in heaven, but he's in a body. Like the rest of us, the saints, their, their souls, their spirits are, are waiting for their glorified bodies, which comes when Jesus comes back again. But right now, Jesus is, is ascended. And we, that was 10 days ago, was Ascension Day. And I'm pretty excited that we had over 50 people pray for 27 consecutive hours uh, just different signups. So we we went 27 consecutive hours, Ascension Eve into midnight of Ascension Day, and I didn't even get to sign up because it was already full, and several of us, others of us didn't, and so we've prayed in there since then, and that room's available to keep praying. But anyway, that was Ascension Day, and so now today is Pentecost. Pentecost is about since Jesus ascended to heaven, now his spirit is sent on those who believe in him, who trust in him, who walk with him, It's the forming of the church by the power of the Spirit. And so, really, the story, just like all of those had a story, a place, a location, the story is Jerusalem. There is a Pentecost in Jerusalem. And I'll just read the first few verses. They were told after Jesus' ascension to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. So they're joining together constantly in prayer, is what it says in Acts 1. And then Acts 2, in that place where they joined together constantly in prayer, says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a loud a sound like, a blowing, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, here's the deal. Pentecost, why we call it Pentecost, is that that's actually a Jewish festival. There were three pilgrimage, our three pilgrimage Jewish festivals. And uh, at the time, 
there were Jews living all over the place in the Mediterranean world, but they would come back for, for Passover was one of them. Wow, I'm blanking on the other one. Maybe, I don't remember. Anyway, but, oh, Tabernacles was another one, and then Pentecost. And so this is Pentecost, so they've got people, Jews, from all over gathered at the temple. And so now the Holy Spirit comes on them. They're able to speak in other tongues, other languages. Either they know it or it just they're speaking their language and it's coming out another language. But anyway, everyone starts to understand them in their own language. And Peter gives a sermon about who Jesus is, about what Jesus happened to him, encouraging them to turn their lives away from sin, turn their lives away from wickedness, turn towards Jesus, and 2,000 people are baptized and the church starts. That's the birth of the church. So that's the Pentecost of Jerusalem. But some people talk about in Acts that there's kind of two other mini Pentecosts. There's like three Pentecosts. We looked at one of them uh, in April in, over a couple of weeks, and that is when things happen in Samaria. So now Philip is in Samaria. He is in this town. He is teaching them about Jesus. They are coming to faith. They are being delivered from evil. But then... Uh, Peter and, well, well, we'll pick it up there. So, so he's doing miracles because he's been filled with the Spirit. He's, he's teaching them about Jesus. They're coming to faith. And then in verse 14 of chapter 8, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Is that, is that the end of it? I can't remember how much. Oh, did I not give that one? Is that good? Okay, they received the Holy Spirit. Okay, so then, yes, I went too far. That's the problem. So then... Um, but what happened next, these people received the Holy Spirit, and Simon sees this, and he's like, hey, I'd like that. He had this idea that, these, that certain people have this power that they kind of possess, that they kind of own the Holy Spirit, that they can kind of decide you get the Holy Spirit or you don't get the Holy Spirit or this is when you get the Holy Spirit or not. And Peter says, hey, you can't try to buy the gift of God with money. And then he sees, I, I see how full of bitterness you are. You shouldn't be worrying about whether or not you have the Spirit to give to other people. You should be worried about whether you are connected to God or you're just trying to use, use God for something else. Anyway, those are some things about the Spirit. But the Spirit came to a whole different people group than had come before. It's not Jews anymore. It's Samaritans. It's just different. So that was like a second Pentecost. Now, Aubrey just read what some people would call the third Pentecost. It happened in Caesarea which was a Roman town, but pretty much in, like it's in modern-day Israel. Um, but what it was was the opening of the door for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. Next week, we'll talk about how this kind of confirmed, how it kind of, they had to decide, like, are we really going to go for this to bring it to non-Jewish people or to not make people be Jewish to be following Jesus? That's what's going to be confirmed. But this is like the Pentecost. This is when the Spirit comes. So... A Roman official, Cornelius, has been praying. He's been a man of prayer. He's at the time of prayer. He has a visitation of, the angel, of an angel of the Lord. He's a vision. And the angel says, you've got you to send people for Peter. Right around that same time, right around that same time, well, a couple days later, he's, he sends those people. Peter is praying. And in the midst of praying, he sees a vision, and it says, you know, basically, 
things that don't call things impure that I call pure. And then he says, you got to go. There's people coming that want to take you to Cornelius. So he gets to Cornelius' house. Cornelius falls down on the ground to worship him. And then Peter picks him up and says, says you, know, you know, I'm just a human being. Peter actually in this, he does, he does things that we, we can tend to fall into two ditches with, with certain people. We can treat them as more than human. We can idolize them. We can uh, idealize them like they're, they're perfect or we, we kind of worship them or we think that they, should, they need to meet all our needs or maybe we kind of we read their every moment because they're a celebrity. But whatever, Peter says, no, 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 you don't treat me like I'm just a human being. We're all in this together. But sometimes with certain people or people groups, we can treat them as less than human. And he says, you know, it, our, our deal is we don't even eat. We would never come into a house of a non-Jew like you, but now I see, but, and here I am in your house, but now I see that we shouldn't call anyone impure. So Peter's like, don't treat me as more than human, and I'm not going to treat you as less than human. And that's something, that's a whole different sermon, but I wanted to sneak it in. All right, so now with that, he starts talking about Jesus. And as he's talking about Jesus, he explains what Jesus has done, what it means for the forgiveness of their sins. And now verse 44, here comes this third Pentecost in Caesarea. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about these three Pentecosts. So I, I tend to, I, I like church history. Uh, in recent years, I've kind of expanded my church history uh, from just the stuff that I know growing up, the stuff that's happened in Europe and the stuff that's happened uh, maybe in the first centuries or the stuff that's happened in America to what's happening and what has happened in China or in India or in Latin America or in Africa. And there are little Pentecosts that you can point to, many of them. There are many little Pentecosts, little, some might call them awakenings, maybe revivals, renewals. There are many of them that happened in the 20th century in Africa, Latin America, and Asia. And we have tended to see United States as kind of the center of Christianity, and we bring missions to all kinds of people, but what has really happened is that uh, once that took place and got in, and there, those people took the gospel, and then instead of relying on Western missionaries, they started to spread the gospel themselves, that's when it started to explode in all these places. And that's when the Spirit would start to come in all these places. And there's actually more people coming to the United States in the last 30 years, Christians coming to the United States as missionaries to minister to the United States than we are sending. And they're coming from these countries that don't even have any money. But they are filled with the Spirit. So anyway, I want to talk about this. First, here are five things. Pentecost, penta means five, I guess. I didn't know that till just now. It must be from God. This whole thing must be from God because that all worked out like that. Okay, so the Holy Spirit comes in different ways is the first point I want to make. 
what we find in these stories is the Holy Spirit comes at, you know, in the one, they've been praying in a group for 10 days. They're waiting. They're expecting it. And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit comes, like, powerfully. And then in another one, they, they know Jesus, but somebody lays their hands on them first and prays that they'd receive the Holy Spirit, like, really specific. And then it happens that way. And then in today's passage, he's just talking about Jesus. There's not even, we're not even talking about the Holy Spirit yet, and the Holy Spirit comes. So the Holy Spirit comes in different ways and at different times. And I say that because sometimes people who've experienced the Holy Spirit will tend to, tend to say, like, well, it happened this way for me, so this must be the way it happens for everyone. Or some people can be, be like, against a certain, like, praying for someone to receive the Holy Spirit. No, 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 you don't have to do that because you get the Spirit when you believe in Jesus. That is true but there's something different about the power of the Spirit being released from within us, the gifts of the Spirit being released from within us. So the next thing is, next point I want to make is, Pentecosts are, are always, it seems to me, connected to prayer. Now, in different ways, but I'm talking about these three that we read, and I'm talking about what I read in church history and what we've even seen in recent times. So I just said it. Some people, they're praying for 10 days. Some, some, it takes an actual laying on of hands, and they pray for it to happen. In the case of, um, of Cornelius, even though it happened in the midst of him just talking about Jesus, he had been a man of prayer. He had had the vision that set it all up in the time of prayer. Peter had been in prayer. There's prayer that comes into before the Spirit is released in power. Now, here's the third thing. Pentecosts tend to have tangible signs. Tangible signs, gifts, power. Someone was praying for me this, this morning. It says, you know, I just am open to whatever God wants. I said, well, maybe, maybe tongues of fire. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine seeing tongues of fire? I mean, that's what, the, that's what happened in the Bible. Is that, okay, there's a sign, sound of rushing wind moving through. Wow, that's something. Um, I've seen a, uh, several different things. Here is one of the controversies around talking about, maybe people might use the language like baptism of the Spirit or things like that, and that is gift of tongues, speaking in tongues. There is, I don't read this a lot, I haven't run into a lot of people, but in certain Pentecostal circles, for a season anyway, the idea was you had to speak in tongues to be saved, to go to heaven. If you didn't speak in tongues then you didn't have the sign that you needed that you were saved, which is not in the Bible. There's all kinds of gifts. And it says in 1 Corinthians, you know, not a, you know, some people get certain gifts, some people get other gifts. Speaking of tongues is said in Corinthians as a gift of the Spirit. So it's not, you know, everybody has to. Now another thing that is, is a little more common is that you haven't been baptized in the Spirit until you speak in tongues. The idea that everyone should be speaking in tongues. And so if you don't, we have to keep praying for you to speak in tongues if you don't, because otherwise you probably haven't received baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll just say I know people who do not speak in tongues, who I've seen miraculous healing. They pray for miraculous healing. I think that would be a sign of the Spirit. I could, I could start going through different gifts of generosity, of faith, of of prophecy, but that's different, okay? So in my opinion, 
it is pretty clear that you don't have to speak in tongues to say you have been baptized in the Spirit or you have the, the power of the Holy Spirit released in your life. Now, I think more of us in this room might be more familiar with or might even wrestle with. We don't think, we don't think you should speak in tongues. We think speaking in tongues is a bad thing. Maybe because of, of some of the abuses that came out of like what I've talked about or, or you've been around people where it, or it's just uncomfortable for you. But I just a lot of times people who make these strong arguments say, because we have the Bible now. But I would just say, if we study the Bible, the Bible says, I, I wish everyone would speak in tongues, Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Eagerly, you should desire to speak in tongues. You should, you should desire to all the gifts of the Spirit. And he says, especially tongues. Now, I'm not going to get into a sermon on the gifts of tongue any more than I have. Tongues, any more than I have. But I just want you to be aware that if you are like, speaking in tongues is bad, or we'd certainly hope that nobody in our church speaks in tongues, eh, well, do we want people to follow the Bible? I don't think we should pressure anybody to. I don't think we should shame anyone or pressure anybody to not, okay? That's enough of that. It's more than enough of that. I did, maybe we pull out of the archives and we could break out. I did do an entire sermon on speaking in tongues a few years ago out of the book of Corinthians. Maybe we'll put that on social media this week. I should probably watch it first. Okay. I don't remember what I said. Okay, next one is unity of different people groups. So people groups that didn't get along, that fought Jews and Samaritans, Jews and Gentiles, all of a sudden there's a coming together. Now that's not just true in the Bible. When there was a, the spirit moved in power in the early 20th century, in the 1900s in LA, Azusa Street Revivals, and what they found was blacks and whites coming together, which they never saw back then. There were people, the spirit was poured out, people were speaking in tongues, not all of them, but many of them, and they came together worshiping Jesus together. People that just didn't associate because of race, just dividing hatred, came together. So that is what the spirit, when the spirit's poured out, it's not just about, is there power, is there speaking? There is like unity that comes, because the Spirit is what brings unity. And I think we're living in a time where it's pretty clear we need God for unity. We aren't going to politically strategize our way to unity. We aren't going to educate our way to unity. Jesus brings unity, and he does it when he pours out his Spirit. And that happens in Pentecost, in renewal, in, in the Spirit coming in a way that's tangible, that's, that's more than than the normal for a season. And lastly, but maybe most importantly, Pentecost helped people to know and to proclaim Jesus. Uh, I don't know how much of my journey to get into. I'll, I'll just say when I, one of the uh, groups of people that really helped me understand things about the Spirit more in ways that I hadn't been exposed to much until my young adult life um, talk about when they pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. I don't remember what language. There's all kinds of different ways of saying it. But when this encounter with the Holy Spirit comes, what they find is that people were, would talk about Christ all the time. They would talk about Christ. 
But then after that experience, they start using the word, using the name Jesus more. Like he became more personal. Like Christ is kind of a religious-y, not that it necessarily has to be, but often it's, it's a little more, you know, about Christ. Christ, Christ. Compared to Jesus, your friend who you know. And as we can see clearly in this, it's not just about us coming to know him more. But as Jesus says right at the very beginning of Acts, you will see, receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will testify about me. Other people will come to know me. And so in the beginning one, all kinds of people that, that are not going to follow Jesus, 2,000 men, and then other women and children besides come to follow Jesus when the Spirit is poured out. And so today, I want to end the sermon focusing on Jesus, on this part of the passage that we just read, six or seven verses or something like that, that is Peter teaching about Jesus. Because ultimately, what the Spirit's wanting to do is point to Jesus. And ultimately, I think focusing on Jesus is what helps us receive more of the Spirit. So, let me just quickly review verse 30, uh, chapter 10, verse 36. So Peter's talking, he says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Good news of peace. That's not just absence of war. That's not just a feeling of tranquility in our, in our hearts although it can include those things, the shalom, the peace, the way they used that word back then is like well-being. Things as they should be. And Jesus came announcing the good news that things can be as they should be. That people can be as they should be. Through a connection with God. And that's ultimately where everything is going. Verse 37, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and, the he and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Now, if we look at this, it can almost appear that Jesus was a man that sort of became God. Like he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Here's how it really kind of plays out, is that Jesus, that God, came as a human being. And he, Jesus is unlike any other human being. There, will not, there, will, there is no way to like get to Jesus' status. He is on his own because he is God, because he was God from all time. And yet, at the same time, he walked this earth as a human being, doing it, leaving aside a lot of that, not operating because, hey, he, he came as the only one with the superpowers but relying on the Holy Spirit, anointed with the Holy Spirit, and showing us how we can live. We, there is only one Jesus. There is only one Son of God, capital S, Son. But he is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters, and we have access to the same Holy Spirit here and now. So, just... Getting through a few more verses, verse 39, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. 
by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, an actual body, he was eating and drinking, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. The apostles agreed he will come back to judge the living and the dead. Jesus is the judge. He's the one who says, and the end, how it all plays out. All the prophets testify about him. That's in the, in the Old Testament, God's word about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, I'm, I'm guessing that Peter's message was more than that, but he, what, we're, what we have to us is the most important parts of it, and in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit comes into the room. Before we move to, to response, I want to look again at verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Holy Spirit and power, those are the same things Jesus said in 1.8 would come on his followers. Okay? Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. What if the church, what if we, what if you in particular, go from this place doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil? What if that's what we're all supposed to do? Because the spirit and power can rest on us because God is with us doing good, healing, now this is an interesting phrase, healing those, healing them who are under the power of the devil. What if we did something, what if we lived that out? I'm thinking about healing under the power of the devil, and one of the first things that comes to my mind is just addictions. So there's some, uh, I don't have sources, but there's a couple recent reports that came out in the last couple, well, one just this past week, talking about suicide, talking about uh, forms of death, and the suicide rate in the pandemic went down. They talk about the teen suicide rate went down, and one of the things that they're attributing that to is that many kids were able to spend more time with their parents, and they got more sleep. Those are two major, <laughs> major things. Um, Suicide rate overall, though, went down. But the drug overdose rate, there's a, there's a distinction between suicide by drug overdose and just drug overdose. The drug overdose rate, like, not just like the, and it was already trending that way before the pandemic. There is just addictions break our lives. And there's all kinds of addictions. You know, the suicide rate went down, but anxiety and depression, as we're measuring among teenagers, as we're me measuring among non-teenagers, it's going up. And when it started to spike was, when, was around 2012, which is when the tipping point came from most people had, I had you know, smartphones, and we had the access. Addiction. Lord, help us. How do we use these things that can be very good tools? Social media, different things can be good connecting points, but not make them idols, not become addicted to them. So those are the things that I have in my mind. 
But we come into contact with people all the time who maybe it's depression. They, they could be good-hearted people. They could be really not good-hearted people. But there's influence of the devil in their lives. There could be influence of the devil in our own lives. How do we become healed from that? How do we bring healing from that? And in the passage, Jesus says you could be anointed with, the, with power and with the Holy Spirit to do these things. And I think, there's, I think of people in the medical profession, first responders, teachers. I'm thinking of people that are like living this all the time. They are right in front lines in this. But even, even go beyond that, I think we can become so connected to God that we carry Jesus' presence with us. That even our just being in the room, just saying silent prayers, just saying kind words is part of the formula for healing people who are under the power of the devil, for bringing goodness that comes from God. That's what I think. I think we can be empowered by the Spirit to carry the presence of Jesus to people. I think we can become light that goes into dark places, dark situations, dark groups, the dark parts in people's souls. I think that's what this passage says. I think that's what Pentecost are for. That's what more of the Holy Spirit is for. It's to bring about good. It's to heal people who are under the power of the devil to whatever extent we all are. And so do we want that. Have the worship team come up. Here's how we're going to respond today. We're going to end with a couple songs. But before we do that, I don't know how long but we're going to spend a little time waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. The end of Luke, right before Jesus ascends to heaven, he says, go wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come on you. So they gather in the presence of Jesus so that they can go in the power of Jesus. They are gathered so that they can go. Gathered together praying and waiting for Jesus to come. It's not just there. When we get to Acts, when they start taking, when missionaries start going out, it starts that they have gathered worship, prayer, fasting. And then the Spirit comes on and says, take these two and send them. So they gather and then they go, bringing light with them, carrying the presence of Jesus with them, doing good, And somehow, with God's help, whether they know it specifically or not, helping to heal people who are under the power of the devil. And so we wait. Let's wait together. We praise you, Jesus. We say, come, Holy Spirit.
God, I want to be a person who who goes around doing good, who somehow, whether I know it consciously or, or not, am part of healing people who are under the power of the devil. And maybe first and foremost, I want to be someone who knows you, Jesus. You, the light of the world, that you would come and push out any darkness within me. I think there are others in this room who have similar desires. Would you fill us with more of your Holy Spirit today? Would you help us to become more conscious of and love with Jesus and who you are? what you've done, what you promised to do. May we become more aware of your presence, not just when we're in this place, but also as we leave this place. To Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me, I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree, his body bound.
mine shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints.
Ago, we sang this song at Christmas Eve, and we had a special kind of Christmas Eve, so we had special lighting that we, we rented, and when this song was going, there was like rays of light that were moving and around, and I don't, I didn't have a vision just now, but I can see it, I can see from this place, from this people just going out, doing good healing, literally healing people under the power of the devil. It is starting to happen, but there is so much more. So much more. So today there are people available to pray. I get prayed for almost every single week at some point in the morning. Maybe you would like to this morning. Regardless, as you go, would you be filled with the power and the life of the Holy Spirit? In 
Jesus' name, amen.